I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We'll tear your soul apart. Podcast of the Dead. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast of the Dead, the podcast about all things horror-related. We're your hosts. I'm Zach Palmer. Sitting across from me is Isaac Wright. Every day this year, an enchanted snail has given me precious metals and jewels every day of the of the week. He passed away today. Rest in peace, Tom Foolery Dillard, the, the enchanted snail. Okay, thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> joining us from the void is Chrissy Beetle. Why Anguru's got a walk like that? <laughs> and this is your favorite podcast to listen to while searching for a possum in your house. Because mm-hmm. uh, I had a possum <laughs> in my house recently that I caught, and um, it was named Peach Pie. And I miss her already. Not what I would have named it. What would you have named the possum in our house? Hmm. Dumplin' Thrower. <laughs> <laughs> Dumplin' Thrower it is, then. <laughs> Uh, I, I would have named the possum Bill. Bill, despite it being a female, just Bill. <laughs> Even no matter gender, non-specific Bill. Uh, yeah. Yes. Gender neutral Bill is that's a good one. Uh, gender neutral Bill Hotel. <laughs> what? Uh, it's a neutral milk hotel joke. Oh yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Fine, shut up, both of you. Yeah. <laughs> mm. uh, we have to have at least one band joke yeah, every know. episode. I don't like it. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. Um, so it's uh, the world is turning right now, still somehow, uh, when we're just living our lives. I'm on vacation, so I'm fucking rocking with my socks out. Um, actually, I'm not even wearing socks. So, can't even go that far. I have two three-day weekends in a row. That's pretty sweet. That is pretty sweet. Yeah. That's sick. Yep. Bad religion canceled on me, so I have nothing to look forward to. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, makes sense and feel like everything. I mean, yeah, it's understandable, yeah. but goddammit. <laughs> yeah, well, now, none of my vacation... I can't take any vacation until this is all over. Ugh. Oof. And, honestly, like, I can't book anymore. And my next load of vacation is literally in September. Jesus. That <sighs> sucks. See, the way our... Because I booked all... I, I sorted all mine for when Stephen was coming over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, the way our vacation works is we actually choose all of our vacation at the beginning of the year. Mm. So <clears throat> then uh, they can't say no to me, unfortunately, because I already had it put in at the beginning of the year. No matter what happens. That's what UPS so, uh, did yeah. as well. You had to schedule it in advance. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is sort of annoying because I don't know what's going to happen yeah. throughout the year. You never know. And uh, it's especially like... annoying when I'm trying to plan a tour because things change and mm-hmm. things happen. I would always just do one in April, one on my birthday, and then just another one. <laughs> another as long one. as there's four weeks notice, we're allowed to pick whenever. That's good. Uh, yeah, we uh, we pick it at the beginning of the year, but we're allowed to change one week, one or two weeks. I can't remember. I can only get two and a half weeks mm. right now as at the position I'm at. But 
yeah, you can change it around. Anyway, uh, there are people out there that don't have PTO at all and definitely don't have sick leave, which is an awful time right now to not have sick leave. Um, and we're sorry. Not that that's our fault, but we just are sorry that that's the situation that you're in. We will we will one day rise and kill your shitty bosses. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, like, the collective we, not just us specifically. Yeah. If, if we have to... No, help... I, I, I will do it all. <laughs> we are a three-man hit team that goes into every large mansion. and <laughs> I, have more, uh, <laughs> I have moral quabbles with this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Okay, well... Yeah. And I'm kind of in the middle, yeah, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> we uh, are your, your moral and political compass here at Podcast of the Dead. Uh, Chrissy uh, is all the way to the fucking eat the rich side. Whereas I'm just at the, you know, I think murder's bad, y'all. I, I know, I'm, fair, I'm fairly eat the rich. Like, I'm vegetarian, but I think eating, I think the rich are vegan. That's a vegan option. But, uh... Elle Woods told me to do it in a dream. Yeah. But I'm, like, not so far left that I'm, like, a tanky, I guess. But, I don't know. It's, I, I generally I'm certainly believe no tanky. that. Tanky scare me. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Elon Musk made some interesting tweets. <laughs> we can spend a second talking about it. Just, I, I can't stand the man, but oh, I, don't, neither can I. I don't understand. Cause uh, speaking of political compasses, I saw a meme where they put all four of like his crazy tweets, like on the political oh, on compass, the compass yeah. off the right was free America now. And then off, off, off left was, uh, the Tesla stock price is way too high. Yeah. Lib left was I'm selling all my possessions. Yeah. I own no house. Yeah. I can't even remember what what libertarian was. <laughs> I feel like it was the one about his girlfriend. His, his girlfriend's mad at him or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's but wild. I just and it all happened within the course of like 24 hours. And yeah. <laughs> Tesla's stock fucking dropped. Yeah. It instantly dropped like 14 billion dollars. But. I would, Okay, so A, what I don't understand. See, I, I like financial stuff, so I, I do want to dive into this a little bit. So, why was he saying it's too high, and what are the dangers of a company's stock price being too high? Is it that it's overinflated, and if it doesn't like buy, if it doesn't actually find its true value, it'll eventually crash? Is well, that what the worry be, is? It's harder to get shareholders when you have high stock. Gotcha. Normally, what they yeah. would do at that point is they would do a stock split, okay. where they would where they they double the amount of stocks, and it halves the value right. of the stocks. That's generally what they would do. So he said that in order to make it easier to purchase stock in his company? He, he's probably just high. Uh, he I'm, probably just said some dumb yeah, shit. Yeah, he probably just Elon Musk said... Elon Musk is not... There's he's a, not smart. Yeah, he's a di there's a disconnect from what Elon Musk thinks financially and economically and what should actually be done with a company uh that's the thing is 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 yeah if if tesla tesla's stocks really are too high they would have a meeting about that right they would he wouldn't just do that in a tweet that would be dumb and i mean but that, that's kind of what he did he also got accused of insider got, trading for he's doing also stuff got like that a team of people under him that are like elon no stop saying shit yeah he was actually supposed to by court order he was supposed to stop speculating about the financial stability or stock price or anything of his company like by the court because right. of that one tweet he made not too long ago saying that 
he was thinking about taking it private or something like that. Yeah. And that was mm. some sort of SEC violation. Yeah. And so now he can't do that anymore, but he still kind of is. And so I don't know. I, I'm. Yeah, I don't know. It's enough. because he's stupid and his girlfriend likes children. What? <laughs> you gotta be more yeah, specific. Yeah, Grimes posted lolly hentai. Oh, she did? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Why does this keep... She posted lolly hentai on Twitter. Jesus Christ. Why does this keep having a new layer every time I talk to someone oh, new yeah. about it? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah, know. It's, but... it's one of the weirder, like, subplots of, like, capitalism right now is this whole... And not even, like, just uh, Elon Musk, but also just all the senators that had insider trading oh, yeah. uh, scandals oh, and, and all yeah, that sort of stuff, and they were indicted. And then yeah. everybody forgot about it, and we had Well, no, 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 no. Some of them were indicted. Um, have they gone it. to jail? I don't know. I don't feel like any of them have gone to jail. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair assumption. Yeah, and that's a problem. I mean, they're, you know, they're Congress people, so right. there's limited action there for a multitude of reasons uh most of them being politically and financially motivated as you can imagine i did read this is a this is a really fitting tangent to go on actually yeah, it, for is. Our yeah, it, it really is. is it really is that's the thing um but uh yeah Stuff sucks. Like, it's it's weird how people think they can get away with stuff when there's just a huge crisis going on. I mean, I understand why they think that, because historically in the past, that has been a thing that you can do is just get away with horrible shit while everybody's looking the other way. You know, it's kind of like the Patriot Act with 9-11 and all that sort of stuff. And Did you know that the uh, Chinese for crisis is also the word for opportunity? <laughs> what voice is that? What impression Although, is that? I don't know. It's nothing. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to name and shame, but um, uh, a friend of a friend made some wild posts today about how this is all, like, basically nothing in comparison to, like, suicide or childbirth death statistics. And that it's about forced vaccination of 5G. Uh, yeah, I needed a drink for that. What? Um, <laughs> this person also... Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, no, it's it's not gone. I thought the comment had gone. Oh, man. And how uh, they were going to force the population to have a vaccine containing mercury, the fetuses of aborted babies, and a special chip microchip to make sure that they can track you. Just like how Bill Gates did in India. First of all, first of all, anytime you eat fish, if you eat fish, (laughs) that has mercury in it. My Uh, favorite part of that is that is like a five-layer chalupa of all the conspiracy theories (laughs) in in one conspiracy theory. (laughs) It's all just there together. mm. This is a friend of a friend's comment on a post about, because similar to how y'all have been having um, protesters protesting the lockdown. Yeah. We've started getting it. Oh, really? So, yeah. can't wait for that second wave. But, yeah, right. but y'all were burning down cell towers because of 5G, and I saw a diagram <laughs> yes. of how that worked. Yeah, we are. I saw the we diagram. Are. I saw the diagram of how that worked. It was a bat, and their sonar waves give off the 5G, and that's how you get the coronavirus. Great. <laughs> Love people it. Know, literally, people are attacking it's the, okay. the, the towers. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get a little bit more into this later in this episode, interestingly enough. I, but... like, I did like the, yeah. uh, the Michigan governor, um, what's her name, Whitmer? 
I can't remember her name I off don't the top know. of my head. I'm not sure. I can't remember her name. Whitmore, I think, is actually what Whitmore. it is. Whitmore. Uh, but anyway, she called out all the protesters for being incredibly racist. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you for oh, somebody saying that out loud. <laughs> yeah, it's like Blue Lives Matter until they're stopping me from going to Applebee's. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> Why would you want to go to fucking Applebee's? Because yeah. I'm depressed, I'm unemployed, and I want somewhere to drink at two in the afternoon. That's why you go to Applebee's. Yeah. The deep state won't let me go to Denny's. I think the deep state wants you to go to Denny's. They yeah. want as many people in Denny's as possible. Yeah, that's what the D in Denny's stands for. Uh, deep state. <laughs> it's actually an acronym. I will. The deep state encourages. Uh, at, yeah, because there's an S at the end of Denny's. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I won't. Deep any state. <laughs> The consonant D made me think about this, but I did have a guy at work. Uh, we're at our place of business. We do ask everyone to wear, well, we require right now everyone oh, yeah. to wear some sort of a mask in order to go inside. Yeah, this is a story you already told me, right? Uh, yeah. I told some, uh, told a guy that walked up that he needed a mask, and he's like, well, what do I need one of those for? And I'm like, <laughs> well, it's because of the everything that's going on in the current public health crisis. It's like, what are you talking about, bro? There is no public health crisis. I work for the DOD. Nothing's going on. Oh, I'm like, my God. Um, okay. Drop. Well, in order to come in, you'll still have to have a, a mask. And he's like, that, that's bullshit. I don't have to do that. I'm like, yeah, we're, well, we're a private company and we can set our policies however we want. And he says, who told you that? No, you can't. And I'm like, um, well, I'm sorry. If you don't have a mask, you won't be seen today. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> yeah. And then he started cursing <laughs> at me, and I won't get into the specifics, but regardless, that was an interaction I had. <laughs> Great. Love it. Oh, it's all right. We had a literally Tales from Today's Work. <laughs> Love it. Uh, this is Sunday the 3rd we were recording this. Uh, we had a woman going round with her shopping screaming social distancing <laughs> at literally everyone who came anywhere like within a foot of her she would just scream at you i mean i kind of that's the type of hero we need <laughs> i think that's yeah, good yeah, yeah, i kind of agree with like, that it, like i'd understand if if we were a massive store and people were just getting too close to her but we're such a small store that you that that you can't help but be close to like people, regardless of like the the rules. I guess it's just such a small story. Well, then I mean, I still feel I, like I'd do that if I if I had the gumption to <laughs> just annoy people. Not because I really care. I would that probably much, just but... be making fart noises the whole time. <laughs> Go full well on the foe. As long as you have a mask on, I think fart noises are fine. But you you spit too much when you make fart noises, so you gotta you mm. gotta keep that shit under under wraps. I mean, I would be wearing a mask. Okay, just just <laughs> anyway. I should oh be my... wearing a, ma- a mask right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> that was a, uh, that was a rant. <laughs> yeah, let's get into the thing that we're really here to talk about, which is uh, somehow a movie we haven't talked about yet. Um, well, yeah, I guess, you hadn't seen it for a long time, even. Yeah, that's uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, but yeah, I um, we actually kind of uh, we have a reason for doing it at this time, but we'll get into that later. Uh, so, uh, without a doubt, the movie we're about to discuss may be one of the most important pieces of film history, and that's hardly an exaggeration. In 1973, two producers for Universal Pictures named uh, Richard Zanuck and David Brown ran across a then-unpublished novel by author Peter Benchley. It was titled Jaws, 
and the two producers instantly knew that they had a winner on their hands, purchasing the rights to the novel even before its publication. And I mean film rights. Uh, the sensation that was to follow is well known, and as we will see, it's still relevant, and even has a great message for us 45 years later. So, uh, this is only the second time I've watched Jaws. Mm -hmm. It's the first time I've watched Jaws sober. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I actually, for years, did not watch Jaws. Um, not necessarily for any other reason, but because I felt like I already knew it. Um, Which isn't incorrect. I mean, it's yeah. such a it's it's such a well known film. If you watch any cartoons at all, like growing up, then you know most of what happens in Jaws, or at least know the theme, and that's half the movie. You know what I mean? It might be one of the most ubiquitous films ever. Possible. Um, yeah. yeah, it's one of those mm. things where you know the movie even if you haven't seen it, mm. and that's probably why I hadn't seen it until <laughs> relatively recently. Uh, the first time I watched it was maybe a month ago, I think, is yeah, when we watched ago. it for the first time. When I watched it for the first time. Um, and uh, I thought it was good, but I was also kind of drunk. <laughs> uh, now, having watched it for the second time yesterday, it's it's good. Uh, but it's, you know, it's just one of those things that I've heard so much about it that it, you know, it's just a movie at this point to me. You know, it's one of those things where it's hard for me to experience it in the same way that everybody else has, you know, because I didn't see it until I'd seen a lot of other stuff mm -hmm. first, you know. <clears throat> what about you? What was the first time you saw this? I actually don't remember. I know I probably saw it when I was younger, which is weird because my dad swore up and down that he hadn't seen it for a long time. And then maybe five or six years ago. No, I guess it was one time he came up here to Denton. But we, we watched it up here at one point because it was on Netflix or something. And he said that was the first time he saw it. But that couldn't be true because I watched a lot of movies with my parents when I was younger. And I'd seen Jaws. And yeah. I know that Jaws wasn't a movie that I would rent for myself. Yeah. Because it's one of my mom's so favorite movies. So your dad's lying. Yeah, but then my dad just <laughs> forgot. Yeah. I mean, we're yeah. all we're all forgetful and my yeah, parents yeah. are a little bit older. And so I, yeah. I, I know there are movies that my, that my mom's like, oh, I never saw that. And I'm like, yes, you did. I was with yeah. you when we saw it. I remember you saying X, yeah. Y, and Z about it. <laughs> my mom's the same way. My dad has a steel trap memory about things yeah. like that. But yeah, my mom is, is, she's like, oh, we saw that? Like, if I told her that we watched the Pokemon movie together, the first Pokemon <laughs> movie together, and she told me, what's that weird cat thing referring to Mewtwo? <laughs> exactly, she probably yeah. wouldn't remember that. Um, but I, I thought it was hilarious. I did also get a chance to see Jaws in the theater, though, when they did one of the, I think it was a few years ago, in fact. I can't remember. It was it was for the 40th anniversary or something. So I guess maybe five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did get to see it in my th in the theater, and I think I saw it with my parents at that time too. Because again, it's one of my mom's favorite movies. So I've seen it a lot. I've seen this movie a lot throughout my life. I just don't remember the first time I saw it. Yeah. What about you, Chrissy? God, I don't remember the first time I saw it either. Must have been when I was younger. But again, I sort of had the same thing as you, like. I didn't really remember it. I didn't remember... Like, I remember seeing it, but not really. And then only a couple of years ago, I did finally sit down and watch it. And it was, again, sort of the same situation. It was so in the cultural zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. And I was still doing that phase where I was like, oh, oh everyone's seen this. <laughs> I don't want to see it. Yeah, that's fair. Because I, I kind of had a bit of that phase. And it was like, oh, like, I'd seen so much of it, and everyone, 
not that everyone was constantly on about it, but whenever you'd bring it up with anyone, it would be like the same soundbite mm-hmm. of, oh, it's the best thing ever, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. It's like... Well, this probably isn't going to appeal to me then. <laughs> it's like any um, big movie, I think, I'm trying to think of something that's a real corollary. Because uh, Star Wars isn't exactly it. People get too into Star Wars, so it's not the same as Star Wars. I'd say, okay, so, you know big Kevin Smith fans? Really big Kevin yeah. Smith fans that like it way too much. Yeah, it's like yeah. if someone talks about Clerks for the first time around a big Kevin Smith fan. You know what I mean? You don't even want to hear what they have to say about mm. it anymore. Right. That's how it is talking to, to anybody about Jaws because everyone likes the yeah. movie, but you don't really care anymore because you're just like, I know it's Jaws. It's a good movie. It's yeah. Fine. <laughs> like, I'm I'm gonna have probably the most controversial opinion. Oh, that's fine. It it's it's okay. Yeah. It's not like like. It's a good movie, but it's not. I said, it, or at least to me, it's it's just it's okay. No, I I kind of it's, agree with you, but I have yeah. It's, there's a lot of things I like about it. Though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I said it's not like the, the the biggest. You know, it's not like a thing that I'm going to constantly go and rewatch. Right. It'll be some. Oh, okay. Jules is on. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you know. It's just. I do like sharks, though. And it paved the way for street sharks. Oh, shit, that's one I forgot. <laughs> Don't li- the most feminist show ever made. <laughs> <laughs> they bite. They fight. That's one of my favorite. That's all I was know. Was that the onion or click hole? <laughs> I think it was click hole. If you don't know what we're talking about, there is a click hole article out there that is a masterpiece of satirical uh, satirical journalism talking about Street Sharks being the most feminist show ever created. Yeah. And it's the funniest thing. It's so good. I mean, who says it's satire? <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, uh, when it was released, Jaws was nothing short of a phenomenon. Uh, It was released in 1975, and it was Steven Spielberg's second major motion picture. Uh, The cast and crew turned an initial budget of roughly $9 million into over $470 million. So it was a giant financial success. So I'm going to stop you for just a second. The initial budget was actually $3.5 million, but they ballooned it to $9 million to fit the horrible atrocities (laughs) that happened during production, but we'll get to that. Yeah, Yeah, there there were a lot of those. Yeah, I found a couple different uh, figures. $3.5 million was the initial, like, when they they were given to Start. When they were given it to start. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, and I had seen seven million on another, another website, and then the Wikipedia finally had nine million. I'm right. like, that's what I'm gonna go yeah, with. Nine million is like what it ended up being. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, but still, they definitely made it back in like in droves. Oh, yeah. They made so totally. much money on this movie. Uh, in fact, it shattered box office records and then earned Jaws the title of highest grossing film in history for a very short period of time before being dethroned by Star Wars two years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the Star thing Wars is, is fans it... Room fucking everything. Yeah, <laughs> but it set the groundwork for Star Wars being successful. Correct. That's the thing, Correct. and we'll yep. get into that. Yep. Yeah. And then uh, the film brought a unique and rarely popularized fear to the forefront of viewers' minds. Uh, in 75, you didn't have a shark week. You didn't have a Sharknado. You didn't have a Deep Blue Sea. You didn't even have the puppet show revolution that may, that is my production of Saki Shark and the Paper Saki Scamps <laughs> airing this summer on TBS if they know it's fucking good for them. <laughs> <laughs> is that, so you pitched that already is what you're saying. I mean... Saki Shark and the Paper Saki Scamps. That's that's right. That's your show. And similarly, 
I had a budget of uh, very, very small, $12, and I expect just as high dividends. Uh, so, but, it, you know, during production, obviously... $470 million. Okay, but during production, obviously, also, you had did... some issues. It ballooned to $15. The, the... Also, uh... You had to buy more Google eyes. Start, I know. I literally know people who have a fear of sharks thanks to this film. Like, so many people have gone. Oh, I, I don't like sharks now because of Jaws. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. y'all wimps. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll get into that too. Yeah, with uh, the uh, kind of ballooning of the actual fear of sharks that a yep. lot of people had into mm-hmm. like kind of a general public. Yeah, this thing. was kind of the start of that. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, in addition to this, uh, Universal Studios released Jaws in a novel way for 1975. Uh, they in- ended up blanketing movie theaters across the country in a widespread release, leading to the summer of 75 being the season overwhelmed by Jaws and has resulted in the film having a long-lasting impact on American pop culture. Uh, movie- moviegoers had not been exposed to the monstrous power of sharks before and had similarly never witnessed a film with such emphasis on the isolation of the sea. This led to a whole generation of Americans who became fearful of swimming, fearful of the beach, and fascinated by prehistoric murder fish. Prehistoric murder fish <laughs> is the name of my Shots. next band. Um, yeah, so this is... Uh, I want to talk about the marketing for just a little bit because this is the same strategy that Star Wars ended up using right. and made it so successful. And it's the mm-hmm. only reason that Star Wars eclipsed Jaws as far as like box office mm-hmm. grossing because it used the same strategy. Right, because you were saying prior to 75, prior to Jaws, blockbusters didn't really exist in the way that we know them everything was kind of released more in markets so in like, like regional markets some of right the biggest movies that we knew of before jaws were like the big epics mm-hmm. like ben-hur or uh, lawrence of arabia gone, or with, gone the with, with the wind yeah. yeah so that sort of stuff now the reason why gone with the wind was so huge is because it was Racism. during the great depression depression oh and had people had nothing else to do <laughs> Because they were broke and movies were relatively cheap to watch at that time. Gotcha. That's largely why uh, Gone with the Wind was so huge. Um, Can we also acknowledge that there was some racism there, oh, too? Oh, definitely. Okay, cool. There's definitely <laughs> racism. There's racism in everything. Uh, but, yeah. But the thing is, well, because, I mean, you look at Jaws. Jaws has, like, no black people in it. Pretty much at all. I no think, people of color in I it. I don't think Martha's Vineyard has any black people That's in true. It. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, that's a large part of it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. The... the, the the original strategy that com- that studios had at that time is they would release it in one market, and if it was successful in that market, they'd build to another market, build to another market, build to another mm. market, to where it basically uh, a movie spread kind of like a virus, in, in a sense of, like, that's how you make it work is you make it successful in one place and then you continue on to the most adjoining place next to that mm-hmm. uh you put it in key markets and then it grows from there right uh you know not unlike how bands are you know get famous that sort of thing mm-hmm. like where you just have this one group that they're in a city that they're really famous and then they just keep going keep going keep going until they're famous everywhere uh what they did with jaws is they had a massive uh radio talk show television commercial circuit so the producers uh what they did is they went on the radio show and talk show circuit to promote the film and then they had a whole bunch of commercials that they made for jaws and they they broadcasted this national television everywhere and then they just released it everywhere all at once it's essentially how they release any big movie nowadays yes i mean yeah the The marketing strategy for jaws is how we do it now yeah but it wasn't created until jaws came along 
And that was a thing that Universal created, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah, so it's 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 really interesting to see that that's where that all started. Right. Jaws mm -hmm. was also the first summer blockbuster because generally in summer, you they didn't want to release. They released things that they thought weren't going to do well in summer. Generally, the winter was the big season for movies right. because that's when people are staying inside. That's when they want to go to a movie because it's inside and all stuff. They're not doing out, outside activities. Uh, Plus, it was Oscar season. Correct. Yeah. That's that. It's also Oscar season. But Jaws was like, we're going to release in the summer. We're going to make this big marketing campaign. We'll see what happens. And it was gigantic. Yeah. And they realized, okay, summer is actually a great time to release movies. And why didn't we try this before? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it makes. I guess it makes sense to me now, just because it's hot. You want to go into an air-conditioned place, yes. and you don't have to pay for that air conditioning <laughs> yeah. like you would your own air conditioning. Correct. And in addition to that, you're seeing a movie. But it also makes sense that I think there weren't as many, I guess. I, actually, I don't know. I it's don't know, funny because... I don't know why they wouldn't have thought summer would have It's funny because now things. we think of the biggest movie season as being summer... And like mm. winter, mm -hmm. now it's like both of them really. Because you think you think of a whole bunch of big movies that always release around Christmas, or like in, even in ones that aren't seasonal. Like mm -hmm. for I think a long time it was, well, I mean, still just in, up until the most recent Star Wars movie they released around Christmas. Yes, yeah, that's all. Really that's their yeah. thing. Yeah. Star Wars was released around Christmas. Uh, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy was yes. released at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And the Hobbit was too. I think released around Christmas every iteration of that no because the last one was released just before because i went and saw it around my birthday okay so that one they had bucked the trend okay but i know at least two of them were released around christmas i think they normally do christmas at least for star wars kind of what it was is it was kind of a i do think harry potter was released around oh, christmas i think cares. the harry potter movies <laughs> i mean they were yeah. like, no no they were summer movies. i think the harry potter ones were summer movies were they i could have sworn yeah could have sworn they were, sure they were some blockbusters. Ron Weasley's in adventures end, anyway. in being an asshole were celebrated by no one and will go you down never... in the annals of history as being the worst series perpetuated okay, onto uh, mankind. There's two things that I have a problem with with what you just said. First of all, it's not about Ron Weasley. <laughs> yes, it is. What are you talking I mean, about? I mean, it's you kinda... have to fucking see him every movie. And second of all, if you he's said in the movie. Second of all, you said annals of history. I did <laughs> intentionally. I know you did, and that's why I'm pointing it out. <laughs> and I think um, both Les Mis, like the big musical movies come out around Christmas. Les Mis, I th remember coming out around Christmas. Cats. Oh, God. Came out. <laughs> <laughs> was unleashed upon the world is what we should say about that movie. I feel like... Cats exists. If we believe that like this is the end of the world, I believe that Cats was... Somewhere recorded in the book of Revelation. Did I ever tell you that story of I matched with a girl on Tinder and I opened the conversation by mentioning Cats the movie? I said, have you ever seen Cats? That shit was fucking bonkers. <laughs> and then she never responded. I imagine that, that is exactly how I would think I, that to I go. wanted to go and see Cats with everyone in Texas and... Everyone except, I think, Stephen and Simon would have been absolutely fucking drunk. 
Oh yeah, and it never happened. I think it's a good drunk movie. Never got that. Yeah, we should get it on Blu-ray so we can add it to our drunk movie collection. I was so mad that Ash made us leave before it was even over. I was drunk and I was having a good old time. <laughs> I was completely baffled. Butthole addiction. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Jaws had a butthole? Speaking of, I mean, I think sharks do have buttholes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know do what say, form they take. Think- I have a butthole, Isaac. <laughs> Do, 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 do you think Bruce had a butthole? Oh, you mean the actual, the actual uh, animatronic? Yeah. Did they sculpt mm. in a butthole? This is what you're asking. Yes. Um, I bet like they you... had to do for cats. They had to put. <laughs> add, they had to add all the buttholes. They had to virtually sculpt in buttholes. I yes. bet you there was a hole near the rear of Bruce. That like connected him to the big mechanical arm or something. Well, the, <laughs> there wasn't there. There was like two versions that had a giant gaping hole in the side for the pneumatics and stuff. Right. But yeah, they, they had a right shark and they had a left shark. Yeah. They had one shark go by that was literally just the right side for when the shark was swimming. We, yeah, we'll, we'll get into right. the, the next section. We're talking <laughs> yeah. about. We'll talk about the the. the sharks but yeah i guess the only other things i would add about this section about just the influence of jaws is yeah it made a lot of people scared of swimming oh yeah and it made our fascination with sharks huge like i said like the things i listed are shark week would not be a thing without without jaws yeah well yeah shark week came around the first shark week was 1988 yeah and i don't think that and they kept making sequels to jaws and people kept having the appetite for them for some reason even though i've seen one of the sequels and i was really drunk (laughs) no they're not good that's all that's all you need no none of them are very good it was the one with michael caine michael caine I heard a description when I saw something, I guess it was like a Tumblr post that said if you say my cocaine in Michael Caine's accent, then you're saying Michael Caine saying his name. Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah, see? <laughs> see? <laughs> I love Michael Caine. As a side note. If I could remember anything that Alfred said, I would say it now, but I can't. Oh, I thought you were going to do like an Italian job reference, but... I, I don't know. I don't rem- I haven't seen that movie in so long. We have it. I know. I love we that movie. It. I just haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, <laughs> uh, the, massive, the massive success of Jaws propelled Steven Spielberg to his status of one of the most iconic and brilliant creators of popular media in the late 20th century on into today. It could have very easily ended all completely in 1975 however as the entire production of the film was maligned by faulty equipment rewrites and a union strike even before production began those who knew of the project believed it an insane proposition to have a film that is shot nearly entirely on the open water and to have a giant fish hop up and do a little dance on the edge of a boat at the end ludicrous The filming of Jaws also took over 150 days to complete, which was unheard of at the time. Uh, Spielberg and the producers of the film all thought their careers could very well be over after the film ramped because of all the issues and the delays, and their fears were not assuaged until they began screening the film and took in the audience's reactions. So, the original schedule for Jaws was 55 days. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and they stretched oh, it to that... 159 Jesus was Christ. how many days it ended up taking um holy shit that's definitely going over schedule 
Uh, I meant to look it up, and I don't know off the top of my head. I know things... That, that's a lot of days. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it is. is. You're correct. I feel like today, uh, production schedules might, might be a little bit like that. Not necessarily the actual shooting, but I know yeah. there's a lot of CG and effects and extra, like, post-production stuff that goes into it. That probably, like, let's say Avengers. I bet you Avengers, which has a similar, like, you know, take-in of money... Avengers probably took that long to make. You know what I mean? Because they have so probably, much CG yeah. and so much like bullshit they had to do, and then reshooting it and redoing special yeah, effects. Yeah. So the the producers and they made sure you can't union strike on top of that. Yeah. Yeah. Disney saw to that. Yeah. So the the producers Anik and Brown, they had said we have a an excellent documentary that's on the special edition VHS of Jaws that we mm-hmm. have. It's the second tape. <laughs> um, and in that documentary, they say. They say if we had read the book a second time, we would have realized, oh, this is going to be a huge pain in the ass to try and mm-hmm. do <laughs> on film. And what was it about the union strike? The union strike was uh, a strike happened with writers the, strike. With, was it, was it the writers? Or? A, it was a writers guild strike. Well, I think That's it right, was. Yeah. A, it it might have been like an overall screen actors guild. Mm-hmm. Uh, strike, but it was a writer strike specifically is what they were trying to avoid. That's why they tried to. Uh, they used Benchley, who wrote the original novel. Mm-hmm. Because they he wasn't unionized. That's why they helped him. That's why he, they chose him to help do the rewrites on the script. That's right. Because yeah. they didn't want him... Because they knew that if they chose a somebody who was unionized, then it's possible they would go on a strike. Because they had a restriction. It was mm-hmm. like no film could be started that could not be wrapped up by September or something yeah. of that year. Yeah. And they were like, how are we going to make a film this yeah. fast? <laughs> Yeah, so basically they uh, used uh, scabs. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they used scabs essentially to kind of fill out the writing because the writing, the rewrite of the script and the screenplay, the screen, the, first of all, that's the hardest thing is they started really without a complete script. Right. They started filming without a complete script and nine days before they even started filming, they didn't have everybody cast. Right, I was about to say that. Like, they didn't even have the actors yet. Yes, they didn't have a Quint and they didn't have a Hooper yet by the time they started, basically when they started filming. Uh, but the thing is, is that Richard Dreyfus, which we'll get into when we talk about the character stuff, but Richard Dreyfus was so desperate for a new job that he took the job essentially immediately yeah. because he thought he was done for. Yeah, no, apparently, he, I can't remember the, the film that he, he was in, but it was uh, <laughs> it was screened in Canada, and he said that was his first time that he had seen himself on screen, and he hated it, and yes. he thought he was com- going to be out of work forever. Oh, yeah. So when he was offered Jaws, he was, called them back and was just like, hey, can I, can I still do that fish picture? I want <laughs> yeah. I just want to be with the big boy. <laughs> with the big boy. Can I, can, can I be with the shark? <laughs> I am sure Richard Dreyfus in, in person is a piece of shit, but I love him. Um, it's hard to say. There's a lot of Richard Dreyfus stuff that I really enjoy. Yeah. Is what I is what I can mm. say for sure. Because yeah. I do love Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. That's probably my favorite Spielberg film. Uh, and I, I don't really like Spielberg that much. See, okay, so my thing with Spielberg is, um, overall, him as a person, I don't know that much about him. And I kind of, his ego kind of gets to me a little bit because I feel like he's very egotistical. Again, that's just my extrapolation I, of I mean, what I've seen. I mean, you have to be. Yeah. But uh, he created a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed as a kid. Um, and stuff I enjoy as an adult. He created Animaniacs. He created Tiny Toons. Yeah. He created... Uh, mm. 
he did worked with J.J. Abrams for Super 8, which is one of my favorite movies, even though it's kind of dumb. I still like that movie a lot. Yeah, I mean, um, you like what you like. Yeah, uh, I don't really like E.T., but it was also, you know, a technical milestone. The, oh, there's a movie I've also never seen, oh, by the it's way. It's okay. We can do it later. It's dumb. <laughs> it's, it's not, not a, a horror film. It's not a horror There's film. no reason that it, we should do it. E.T. looks the horrific. Only, the, <laughs> the, only, the only horror ties E.T. has is D. Wallace, isn't it? D. Wallace. She played the mum in Cujo and, like, the mum in Critters. Oh, okay. She's, she's, like, she's like the quintessential 80s mum. Ah, I see. Like I said, I mean, E.T. looks awful. I mean, like, I think that's kind of terrifying, but other than that... Um, it's a bit shit. Yeah. But I think the real interesting thing, I know a lot of people probably ha- know about this, is a lot of jabs at Jaws for this, but the biggest problems they had with the film were their giant sharks yes. fucking being pieces yep. of yeah. trash. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, so the, the sharks only worked maybe 30% of the time, maybe, um, and that was the big thing. Uh, but apparently that probably ended up saving the movie as far as, like, tone is considered. Because the way Steven Spielberg put it is he said that what I had in mind was more of, like, a Sunday, like, Japanese monster film. Mm. And because we couldn't have the sharks as visible as much because they were so shitty, that it ended up being more Alfred Hitchcock. It ended up being more Hitchcockian in that sense. And to go into, I'm going to make it... uh... This is what I found was fascinating about watching this documentary and looking into some stuff about Jaws. What I thought was fascinating is, A, so they took Martha's Vineyard as their place for the movie to be set. Right. Not because they necessarily liked the look of Martha's Vineyard, but it was because they want they had to film most of this on the open ocean, which yeah. no film had really ever tried mm. to attempt before. Right. And they needed a place where they could be out in the ocean, but the sea shelf was shallow enough for them to have this gigantic shark on a tank, essentially. Correct. Like, it's basically a big sled on the bottom of the ocean with this shark on it, and it had to be able to, you know, rise up and actually, you know, get to the camera at sea level. And Martha's Vineyard was apparently one of the only places in the country where the sea shelf was shallow enough at the distance they needed so you couldn't see land Right. From the place they were shooting. Because yeah. if you, it, mm. it, it, Martha's Vineyard is, 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 is laid out in such a way that if you go 12 miles offshore, there's still a very shallow shelf. That's mm-hmm. like, it's less than 20, 20 feet down. So they could, what they could do is they could put that shark sled down there and it would still look like it was the open ocean, but it, it, it technically wasn't. Yeah. And Spielberg said specifically that if there was any land in any of the shots, that it would hamper the feeling of dread that you got from thinking you're yeah. out in the open ocean. Right. Because it would make the audience be like, well, why don't you just go back to shore, you dumb idiots? Yeah. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah. So he specifically wanted to make sure that anytime you see the ocean, there's no land. Just to add to like the, the existential dread, essentially, of being yeah. trapped in the ocean with a shark. But it, So interestingly enough, this uh, Jaws, the production of Jaws started a tradition that ended up being throughout all of Spielberg's productions, he was not present on the last day of filming (laughs) because he was pretty sure that the crew was so mad at him that they were going to throw him in the ocean. So (laughs) he wasn't there at all. Uh, So that started a tradition that every final shot of every movie he's ever done, he's not present for it. The final day of shooting, he's never Mm. present there for it, Uh, which is interesting. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I mean, mean, it's... it's 
It makes sense. If you ever like played baseball or whatever, you know, there's yeah, like the little surf- superstitions. Yeah. You just keep those no matter what, especially if you have something super successful, no matter what it is, you have some superstitions, no matter like if you have I something. Mean, if, I, if I were a car, if I were part of the casting crew, I'd be like, man, what a dickhead. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I would be the same way, honestly. Mutiny. Mutiny, yeah. Yeah, because you're out in the ocean. It's got to be mutiny, right? Yeah. Has to be a mutiny. It makes yeah. sense, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I I just... I, My favorite thing about the shark itself, I think, is my is my final thing I want to talk about. I love how in 75, they didn't have... They couldn't have had that much experience making big stuff like this. You know what I mean? Mm. And so they made stuff like this that was able to work in the ocean. Like, the first thing that pops into my mind is, like, that salt water that's going to corrode metal, that's going to destroy electrics, that's going to... And and that's what happened to a yeah, lot of the, the days yeah, of filming. Yeah, they definitely had issues with that, for sure. And I did yeah. to still have it work, though, because they said at some point it just kind of started working, and then they yeah. were able to finish the film. Yeah. And I, I was like, damn, okay, so someone knew what they were doing and, and was able to put yeah, it together as, well. <laughs> as Richard Dreyfus put it in that, that documentary, he said... He said uh, they would have a guy in a megaphone that said, the shark's working now. <laughs> now. Let's shoot. The shark is working. He said anywhere on the island, you could always hear r- people's radios going off saying that, hey, the shark's not working. The shark is not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I just thought that was really interesting. And for them to actually persevere and actually make something that looks good at the end, even though it kind of was fucked <laughs> throughout yeah. the entire filming yeah. process. Make you convince you that it was real yeah. and that it was working. Yeah. That's... That's the thing. And, and the thing is, is like so much of like the shark battle scenes are like an amalgamation of shots. Mm-hmm. It's not even like just the shots they did on the ocean, but it was some stuff they did in tanks. And it was the fact that they made it all work together and make it seem like one piece. Let's talk a little bit about the yeah. Australia part where they had the they actually got some footage of authentic sharks in Australia for yeah. the cage breaking scene. So yeah, they were they were originally not going to use uh fake sharks, they were going to use real sharks and then have <laughs> like well, it, for the cage scene specifically they were going to have a small person in the cage to make the shark look bigger. <laughs> and then they, they Oh crying. Yeah, yeah, no, it was bad. I was like, that's kinda Oh, it's fucked up. That's weird. Because the guy really that's... did not want to go in yeah, the cage. Par- apparently the the little person they chose was terrified. And they still made him do it. Eventually I though no shit. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Uh, they finally did it with a dummy instead, thankfully. Uh but on the one of the very last takes, like the Shark comes in, and it's a smaller shark. It was a 13-footer as opposed to what Jaws is supposed to be. That was the reason yeah. for it. it was, well, Jaws and the is thing to be that like people don't realize foot. is that for great whites, the females are the larger ones. Yeah. Uh, so typically, yeah. the, the the male sharks are 13, 15 feet right. like at their largest. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they had this big bull shark come in, mm-hmm. and uh, he gets caught in the line that's holding the cage. Yeah, and so he... Starts flailing around wildly, and the footage you see at the end of Jaws of that cage breaking uh, after Hooper gets out, that is the actual footage of a shark demolishing that cage. But because Hooper's not in there, the script originally called for Hooper to die at that moment. Right. Just like the book does. That's what was in the book, Yeah, exactly. But because there's no person in the cage, they were just like, hmm, well, he swam away and will come back at the end. (laughs) <laughs> and then apparently got away yeah exactly yeah. and apparently the at least the filmmakers and i think a lot of audiences too probably 
they really like the fact that he comes back at the end. It gives you a really nice Casablanca into the movie going off into the sunset moment, which didn't exist in the book. Uh, I know we'll probably talk about it in a second, but in the book... Like, apparently, Jaws just, like, spirals to the deep because the barrels tire him out and he dies. Yes. And that's the he, dr- end. he essentially drowns yeah. is what happens. Kind of yeah. sucks. <laughs> yeah. So... Flood armor be wild. Yeah. So, so, as with most adaptations of books into movies, the differences between the novel Jaws and the film Jaws are pronounced. Now, we really don't care, honestly, what the differences are. <laughs> this episode, unlike others that we've done, is not a deep dive into the property or the franchise, so the book is really sort of inconsequential. Uh, the important thing to know is that Spielberg, along with the help of Benchley himself and his screenwriter by the name of Carl uh, Gottlieb, which who he's in the movie, mm-hmm. by the way, um, rewrote mm. the screenplay to uncomplicate the characters. Uh, Spielberg knew that the real main character of the film was the shark, not the people chasing it. So, uh, this this guy Carl uh, Gottlieb, he's uh, and Peter Benchley are both in the movie. Yep, they're both. In, uh, mm. uh, Carl Gottlieb is the left hand guy when we first meet the mayor. He's one of the mayor's goons. Yes, he's the big guy mm. with the mustache. That's Carl Gottlieb, mm. uh, and then Peter Benchley is the reporter. The uh, the guy the reporter on the beach. Uh, he he had an actual scene in it, and they're like, "Well, that's good enough. We'll we'll, we'll take that." Uh, so yeah, the, the the screenplay for this thing went through so many fucking rewrites. It went mm. through a, just a whole huge process of them like, eh, "That's not quite good enough." And eventually, Steven Spielberg just did the last one. Like he just uh, took what everybody had yeah, and finally just made doing, one himself. He ended up polishing the the whole thing yeah. up at the end. But the the whole. USS Indianapolis monologue by Quint was actually done by um, the uh, the Sackler guy, mm-hmm. How- uh, Howard. Sackler? I think it's Howard Sackler, yeah. yeah, who is a who is a playwright, mm-hmm. uh, and he's the one who basically created like the initial framework for that the mm-hmm. really famous Quint speech. Uh, uh, interestingly enough, I read this uh, the other day that uh, Howard Shaw initially asked Steven Spielberg if he could have a couple drinks to make that scene more authentic. Uh, he went overboard. He <laughs> had to be carried onto the set and then was unable to complete the lines from slurring so badly. When he woke up, he felt terrible about it, apologized to Steven Spielberg, and then they did it the following day and he did it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's, that's, that's fantastic. That's not I do. Yeah, right. So, what. <sighs> Method. Yeah, that's me- that's <laughs> yeah, method exactly. acting. If well, it's, it's it's failed method acting is what it is. It's like, no, they're supposed to be drinking. I'm gonna drink for this scene. I, I can't do lines now. <laughs> <laughs> no lines. So, so the, the thing, the important thing to notice about the script versus the book is that the the characters, like I said, were uncomplicated for the movie. And we, to be fair, we haven't read the book, so we don't know exactly the differences in how the characters are. Um, and it's kind of shitty to say because it is a New York best-selling novel, but like that like Zach bad. said, we kind of just don't <laughs> care because I don't I don't read. <laughs> we do read. We, we definitely do, read we, for this podcast. Yeah, okay, before. yeah, that's a better way to say it. we have read, not that we do <laughs> yeah, okay. read. I don't read right now. Yeah, I, reading I, I is read. off the li- is you reading listen. is off the uh, agenda. Yeah. Um, I read and li- I do both, but uh, I, the the important thing to know is that Benchley's screenplay essentially what Benchley's screenplay was was a framework for, like, the big 
set pieces right. of the of the script, which is like the ocean bits and the big shark battle and the big just the whole last third of the movie. That was stuff that Benchley basically set out mm-hmm. in the script. The rest of it was all everybody else. Yeah, the dialogue and the way every character interacted. Because the thing is, is like for instance, in in the novel. Like, Hooper has an affair with Brody's wife. Yeah, and I don't even yeah. understand where what that had to add to the story at all. Like, I and can't... I think Spielberg felt the same way. But, I mean, <laughs> even to for Benchley to include that, like... He's just trying to make an interesting novel. But that doesn't... Because, I mean, as we've seen, like, novels are different than movies as far as, like, adaptations are concerned. Like, The Shining has a lot of internal dialogue and stuff, and that works perfectly for the book, but for the movie, that doesn't work as well at all. I just don't understand what it adds to either character of Brody's wife or Hooper. Well, we also don't know the whole context of it, and we don't know the nature of everything in it. And it might work better if we actually knew it, but who knows? Yes. I don't know. It just makes me mad, because to think of those characters... Like, cheating on Brody just makes me mad, I guess. Yeah, I, no, no, no. Because I, I like all three of I those agree. characters. But the thing is, is, like, uh, Brody's wife, even in the movie, is, like, kind of enamored with Hooper, if you think of it. Like, because she's, like, laughing really hard at his jokes, even though, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, there's a little they bit kinda of subtext. hint at it, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I'll give you a maybe there. But yeah. I, don't, I don't believe that for reals reals. That's fine. <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm fine with you not believing me for reals, reals. Okay, but, good. I'm glad. Uh, but it, it, it's just one of those things where uh, I don't think that the book that he had would have translated perfectly on screen. And I, you know, the artistic liberties that they took with the story, I think, were for the best at this, you know, for this film. Because, like, like I said, Spielberg really understood that the point of it was... To be the shark. The shark's yeah. the main character. The shark has to be an entity unto itself. And we'll we'll kind of explain later why everything works to make it mm-hmm. the perfect yeah, and they, and sort we, of horror film. And we just talked about it a little bit. That, Like I said, the, the end of the book is actually kind of ends on a down note where the, the shark just drowns. Whereas Spielberg apparently knew that he was like, no, I need a thing right. at the end to happen to make this good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, right. and I think the quote was, he says, I've had them in the palm of my hands for the past like hour and a half or something. They'll believe whatever I tell them to, even Correct. though multiple people told him that having an oxygen tank in the mouth of a shark and then having that explode was absolutely make ridiculous. No sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. It is stupid, but in it really like, that's is. Just like, yeah, that's my kind of level of stupid. Yeah, it's stupid on like a great like blockbuster film set. Oh, it's you so know? much fun to see though. Mm. Like it's so happy and then to see Roy Scheider at the end go, ah! Yeah, oh my god, I love his face at the, the end. Best face. It's so good. <laughs> That's how you feel when you get like the five hundred and ski ball, not when you fucking yeah. kill a giant shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what he did. Yeah, you know, true. it was a perfect pot shot, you know? <laughs> but speaking of the characters and the actors, uh, Jaws would probably not be the universally recognized blockbuster it is today if all the elements hadn't coalesced in the exact way that they did. Without John Williams' score, different movie. Less believable big floppy boy, get that shit out of my face. 
No Shaw, Scheider, or Dreyfus. It could never be the same. Yet, this, this was almost not the case, because the actors, like we just said, the actors in this film were up in the air until way into early parts of the production. They didn't yep. even have them. They wanted, yep. like, Lee Marvin for Shaw's role yeah. as Quinn. Mm -hmm. They wanted, I can't even remember who they wanted for Hooper. They, they just had all kinds of different people, like, they wanted, spinning around. Uh, God, didn't they want uh, John Voight or something? Yeah. I thought that was also for, oh, well, was that for wait. Hooper? Oh, because he was younger. Yeah, they did yeah, want him for yeah, Hooper. Yeah, I think they wanted yeah. John Voight. Yeah. I don't remember them saying yeah. that they want... I know that Roy Scheider wasn't their first choice for the sheriff, but yeah. I don't remember who they said they were thinking of instead. Yeah. And I, I, I know I read it somewhere, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. But regardless, this could have been a very different Shaw, film. Shaw, interestingly enough, in one of my favorite, maybe my favorite, uh, 007 movie True. from Russia with Love. Yeah. But yeah, this could have been a very different movie depending on who they had to play the main characters. Uh, Roy Scheider's portrayal of a family man and sheriff trying to both keep people safe and navigate the political realities of the world can be seen both allegorically and, you know, just as a good as a good role. And it also became, he became the perfect everyman protagonist for the audience to identify with and experience the horrors alongside. Uh, Richard Dreyfuss's portrayal of Hooper, the smart guy that nobody listens to, that's good, but uh, he did drop that tooth and poop his pants, so he lost his credibility a little bit there. Uh, and Robert Shaw's interpretation of Quint is perfect. I relate so much to him. I scream at all my problems, too. No one is right but me, and I'll play baseball with your boys if you're going to contradict me one more time. Now fetch me my whiskey and a rifle. I'm going fishing. <laughs> I wholeheartedly believe in 10 years you will be quit. You'll yeah, be yeah, living no, in some fishing town in Maine and you will 100% be quit. You will have hunted at least 10 sharks at this point. I, and, and I'm going to boil the jaws. But you'll be like a them. Stephen King version of Quint. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just because you said Maine. Oh, yeah. But I mean, I... I, I couldn't... I'm trying to imagine John Voight in this. Oh, God. Just because the only film I've seen John Voight in is fucking Anaconda. And I'm just <laughs> picturing his character in Anaconda in this. See, the only... I mean, it's the same thing, but with the giant fucking snake. <laughs> You're right. See, the only thing I've really seen John Voight in, I think he's in a little bit of Tomb Raider because he's in... in Angelo Jolie's yeah. father. So I've seen him in that, but the only one that I know him, like, almost line for line in is the original Mission Impossible because he was in original Mission Impossible and then he plays the bad guy in Mission Impossible, the movie with Tom Cruise. Oh, I mean, I've actually never seen either the original or the first Mission Impossible, so... Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. The first... The Tom Cruise Mission Impossible, the first one they made, is pretty good, and he's the bad guy in that, and I hate him, and he's a dickbag. But I, as you probably noticed from this mm. podcast, I, the only things I've seen are horror movies. Yeah. That's the only thing you can guarantee that I've seen. I know, right? right? Like, <laughs> this is this is our first popular movie that we're talking about that's yeah. not, like, strictly a horror film, yeah. but it is, kind of. Um, well, we'll talk about yeah. why it is actually right. a great horror film. But anyway, like I said, I feel like that this movie's cast of characters is is what's made it so recognizable yeah because mm. like i couldn't tell you a single other thing roy scheider's in like the first thing that pops into my head anytime i see his face is jaws is i mean Brody. i know like, a lot of stuff that richard dreyfus is oh in, yeah of course and this made his career it did, is, was totally. being in this mm. yeah. and just well just getting linked up with spielberg yeah. in general because he's in a lot of other spielberg mm -hmm. stuff yeah and um I don't know, like, Scheider's roles, you know, we talk about, we're probably going to talk about a little bit, you know, Scheider has the best camera scenes in this. He has, like, the best camera work and his 
face is just on screen and some yeah. of like the best camera work of the picture. I love Scheider in this. Yeah, and mm. uh, his face is so emotive. Like he does a really good job at emoting. And just like, that scene at the end. Ah! <laughs> <So> <laughs> and <good>. even <laughs> and um oh god, I can't remember the actress's name uh, that plays his wife. Um, but she even talks about in that documentary that. That scene with him and his son is really nice. Oh, it's where, real. Like, it's very yeah, real. It's very, like, yeah. actu- actually feels like a father-son scene. And, like, I've always really liked that. And so it's he feels very genuine. And then Robert Shaw comes in. It's just completely over the oh, top yeah. and goofy. And I can't even explain how. And, and he <laughs> created, they created that classic, like, trope now where somebody's scratching on a chalkboard yeah. to, <laughs> to interrupt a giant town hall meeting where... Okay, set fish for you. Like he's that guy that exactly. made that. Yeah, that that that's what happened, and now that's a oh. trope. <laughs> that 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 scene just absolutely every time I hear it just makes me like curl up and want to die. No, yesterday just because I hate that noise. Yeah, yeah. No, yesterday it was me, Zach, Ash, and Nicole all in the room, and we were arguing about something. I think it was Animal Crossing. Everyone's in the room arguing, like, an It's Always Sunny episode, and then it actually gets to that point with the nails. And then we and actually I, Yeah, I just actually, like, just sat there and watched as all of us just kind of stopped talking, because it's just like, oh, God, uh, ah. It's that sort of noise that stops discussion whether it's yeah. real or not. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. And then he talks like this, and he looks, yeah. and he looks at the shark in it's the so eye, like, and he and he and he sees that you're a baby the... doll, and he and you have all the all the goo inside <laughs> of you, and the shark gets at the goo. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the best character introductions of all time. Yeah. It really is like one of those things like you can't have a better character mm. introduction than that. Yeah, just similarly, I like mm. I love Richard Dreyfuss's first interaction with with uh, with Brody. Um, Brody, I, yeah. why am I blanking on it? Yeah. I just said it. Yeah. Uh, I love his first introduction. It's like, hey, you know those eight guys in the boat out there? Uh, they're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's such a sarcastic <laughs> asshole. He's, yeah. like, he just has some really good lines. And um, I just feel like at that time, that's really what Richard Dreyfus was like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so, like I said, I just really think that all three of them made the film what it is. And like I said, I don't think we have to do a deep dive into any of the characters specifically, because I think a lot of people have seen this movie. The only other character I really want to talk about is, and I pulled up his name. The mayor? It's Mayor Vaughn. Yeah, Mayor Vaughn. Larry, uh, Larry Vaughn. Yeah. yeah, and his act, the actor that played him was Murray Hamilton. Yep. Apparently, they that was the only first choice actor, apparently the only choice actor that they had for, for Mayor Vaughn. That was who they knew wanted to play this role. He was like one of the first guys cast, I think, exactly, wasn't he? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so then you see the role, and you must, if you were Murray Hamilton, you're looking at Steven Spielberg, and it's like, do you, do you think I'm this big of an asshole? If I'm your first choice for this? Because Murray Vaughn, or not Murray Vaughn, Mayor Vaughn is an asshole. Oh, yeah, he's the he's worst. the... <laughs> He's not even the antagonist of the film. Jaws is the antagonist of the film, but he is the reason the film happens, and that makes him an even bigger asshole than the shark, because... Fuck it, let's just change his name to Vince Vaughn. (laughs) (laughs) he's on that level. Oh, can you imagine a Jaws remake where Vince Vaughn is the mayor? Now that you've said it, <laughs> now that you've said it, an alternate universe exists. Yeah, exactly. Where, like, That's the, why I love alternate realities. Yeah, the, the Rock plays uh, Chief Brody. Triple oh. Triple H is is, uh, is Quint. Triple H. Yeah, Triple H. Why, why is it all wrestlers? Because Stone Vince Vaughn. Oh, wait, wait. Who's Vince Vaughn again? 
Vince, Vince Vaughn? No, you're thinking, of, you're thinking of Vince McMahon. I am thinking of Vince McMahon, and it's a better idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, shit, Vince, yeah, Vince, no, that's who I'm thinking of. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Vince McMahon. Oh, God. Yeah. WWE recasting of Jaws, and, like, <laughs> the ring is the ship, and it's all surrounded by ocean. It's Jaws, but with three Ws? <laughs> <laughs> all right, if... Any wrestling fan knows how to get in touch with Vince McMahon. Pitch this, please. <laughs> no, you don't. don't. Have to... This is the man who's in charge of the economy right now. You know he'd do it. <laughs> Vince He's... McMahon's in charge no. of the economy? Trump. Or is the economy Trump. a wrestler? She's... <laughs> no, he's his advisor about the economy to Trump. Yeah, Whoa. Vince McMahon. Vince, Vince McMahon is? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm going to gloss over that really quick because you just gave me the idea of a wrestler named The Economy. And it's, <laughs> it's my favorite thing in the world. Just picturing it, he just comes out in a big, like, you know, uh, just a Mr. Peanut top hat and a monocle. But no, still just shirtless and ripped. And just He has, like, a, a fucking cash register in one arm that he hits people with and, like, a ticker tape thing going around his arm. It's the best. Oh, my God. You can take no, this idea, too. His top hat has a ticker tape Yeah, there we go. It? Yeah, there you go. Oh no! His uh, barbed wire baseball bat has ticker tape going. Oh, around. Okay. there we go. Yeah, great. Okay, cool. I don't think that's legal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay, again, any. I don't care that he's he has the, the the ear of power in his hands. Vince McMahon, if you want the idea of the economy as well, you can take it as long <laughs> as they can see it no. on pay per view. <laughs> AEW deserves the economy. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Jaws being one of the most successful films ever made in the first certified summer blockbuster sometimes distracts from the fact that at the end of the day, it truly is a horror film. And y'all know that's why we're here. <laughs> Strangely, as we've seen throughout history, horror films don't always get the recognition they deserve. So how did Spielberg pull this off? What makes this movie work so well as both horror and just a fun experience that's that's the question so i the first thing i want to talk about and it's the thing that we've kind of been building up to and we've kind of mentioned uh, throughout the whole episode so far is the music mm -hmm. the music is so so important like spielberg himself said it was 50 percent of mm -hmm. why the movie was successful is the music and john williams as we know has done great things after this as mm -hmm. far as scores of concern but this is the score that actually launched his career this is the score that we we know him for that's that's the thing that made him the great you know the score is so uh well known that even as a kid if you haven't seen jaws you've seen enough cartoons or other popular media that every time you go to the swimming pool you fucking go around with your hand pointing out of the water and, you know, you go dun 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 Even, like I said, as a kid, even if you haven't seen Jaws, that's like, that's almost one of those instincts that a mother passes to child at this point in America. Or in the world, I guess. I don't really know. I don't really know how far-reaching Jaws is, but definitely here. Like I said, I remember vividly as a child before having actually watched the movie knowing the Jaws theme song. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very Hitchcockian score. 
Yep, no, I'll give it to you. Yeah. yeah. I, there are parts when, when, like, the sweeping parts where it's also very classic Hollywood. Like, the sweeping mm. parts when they're, like, doing the barrels and running back and forth and everything. Yes. That's very, yeah, it, it, it evokes a little bit of North by Northwest. It evokes a little bit of, like, the, the adventure uh, stuff that Hitchcock did and, like, the adventure themes. Like, my favorite part of the score, actually, isn't even the, the two notes. My favorite is when they do the... Uh, uh, farewell and adieu to you old Spanish ladies. But they just yeah. allude to it in the score itself when yes. you just hear it in the background yes. when like the wheels are turning in Quint's head. Yeah. Like, like that's one of my favorite parts of the oh, movie. It's great. <laughs> it's great. It's great score work. Yeah. Um, I, thankfully, or maybe not thankfully for you two, I know a lot about music history. And the great, <laughs> the great thing is, is that the, the thing about John Williams, he takes a lot from Tchaikovsky, first of all. Huh. Um, Mm. Tchaikovsky, if you don't know, is obviously is a Russian, very gay uh, composer from uh, the Romantic period. He was late, you know, uh, mid early eighteen hundreds. Was he gay? Yeah. Well, he was. He was gay, but he was kind of secretly gay. Oh, uh, he was secretly yeah. gay because everyone had to be secretly gay at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But it, he was. That's just a side note. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he, he. You can hear a lot of Tchaikovsky and John Williams. But the thing about this score is a lot. You can hear a lot of Rites of Spring by uh, Igor Stravinsky. In it. Mm, yeah. It's very that that dun 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 like that whole thing. That's very Rites of Spring. There's a there's a whole section of Rites of Spring that's a lot like that. Uh, but the, but the thing is, is like the simplicity of like the main melody is like what really gets you. And that's the whole thing about John Williams is like when he initially showed the score to Spielberg, as we saw in that mm -hmm. documentary, yeah. he just played him the two notes. The dun dun, <laughs> dun dun, dun 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 Like he just played that for Spielberg and Spielberg had to hear it like three or four times to realize it's great. Yeah, he thought mm -hmm. it was a joke at first. Yeah, he thought he was, he thought, okay, well, this guy has a great sense of humor. <laughs> He's just fucking with me, right? Uh, but no, he wasn't. It's like, that's the main theme. That's the shark. Because the, the reason why that works so well is because it's really primal. Mm. It's like a very simple melody but the intensity of it and the speeding up of it is what makes it mm -hmm. primal and what makes it work so well because it's like instinctual and what were you saying you said it was uh the the instrument they used to play it yeah as well. so technically if you want to look at the main score like the main piece that starts off jaws that's technically if you want to look at it is it like a tuba concerto essentially because the main the lead instrument in it is tuba that's what the like the don't 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 da do da da that's all tuba but it sounds like french horn because it's in the really high register <laughs> and, and the thing is about tuba is tuba is obviously like the biggest heaviest most imposing instrument in the orchestra other than like maybe like the the contrabass or something mm -hmm. like that something really really big but the thing is, is like tuba doesn't typically go in those registers, like for the high part, the da 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 da. That's all. That would be a French horn, typically, is what right. you would write that for. But John Williams chose a tuba because it sounds more menacing, because <laughs> it's a big, heavy metal instrument. And when you put a tuba up into that high register, it still has like that sort of like balls to it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's what makes it more menacing. And that was actually really great that he did that. Yeah, like the da-da-da part, like that yeah. that little part that, that follows when it starts speeding up. That yeah. part's always really creepy to me. It's not really the dun-dun that gets me, but it's like that little, once it starts actually getting a little more melodic and getting a little more... Like not just because it's notes like being the played. sharks getting closer. Yeah, exactly. That's mm. what it. That's what it is, and that's the whole thing that he kind of was like geniusly invented was that the faster the music, the closer it is because mm. you start getting more panic. It's like heartbeats. Right. That's what it is. It's like dun dun, 
dun, dun, dun, dun. it's like your heartbeat getting faster because you know death is closing right. in <laughs> and that's that's why that score is so good and that's why it works so well mm-hmm. it's man i could talk about it forever but it, it's just uh, john williams i love a lot of john williams stuff but this is probably one of his like most genius ones as far as like how matching it works m- matching yeah. music to subject matter is probably yes yeah that's yeah. what i would say exactly uh now the cinematography in this is really mm-hmm. interesting too and that i think that's part of what makes uh a- another part that makes it such a great horror film because so much of it is shot at water level. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And Spielberg, it was Spielberg has said that that normally, you know, whenever you got water shots before, what you would do is you would do it like a few feet above the water because you don't want to get the camera wet. But they created this box for the camera that made it so you could shoot right at sea level, right at water level. It's where it feels like you're actually swimming in the water as a human. And that makes it so much more immediate mm-hmm. in that sense because it's like everything's right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also they have those swipes that beach shot. That beach shot. That's one of the most famous yeah. uh, scene that I think that most people associate as far as like cinematography wise. Because it's not one shot, but it looks like one shot. But what I didn't notice about this shot, and if you don't know what shot I'm talking about, it's where he's sitting on the beach. He's watching people out in the ocean and he sees old man Harry, his cap come out of the water right. and, he, and he gets creeped out. But then he realizes, oh, it's, it's this dick bag in the water, like little pruny fuck knows. Pruny McFuck <laughs> but anyway, but uh, I didn't realize that they actually had put a lot of thought into how they were doing it because they were actually doing it like a classic, yeah, a wipe, or like a wipe uh, yeah. cut or whatever yeah. they call it, where they have one person in a certain color um, swimsuit walk by one direction and then it cuts to Brody. But then that same color swim trunks walks up by the other direction and it cuts to the sea. And they keep doing that. And it's like, so you don't, and I never noticed that, I guess it would have been more jarring if it was different colored swim trunks each time. But since they use the same color swim trunks for each, like, respective wipe, you don't really register that there are colors at all. It just feels just like a wipe when also instinctively you know it's a person passing in front of the camera. It's just done really well in a really subtle way to give you the... Basically, what it gives you the feeling of is Brody processing the situation because he's already at the point in the movie where a shark has attacked. I've told people sharks have attacked. Yeah. No one wants to listen to me about the shark. Yeah. And I'm getting pissed off. Yeah. And I'm scared because I have a family. Yeah. Well, and then the whole thing is that he's not from the area and he is not really, he doesn't like the ocean. True. He doesn't like swimming. He doesn't like anything about the ocean. It already scares Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah. So being in this position where a shark has already killed somebody, he already feels high anxiety, Mm -hmm. high, high tension. So... I don't know. But anyway, so that cinematography is good. And then you like the zoom that comes after that. Which, yes. Which they don't talk about how it was yeah. done. And I tried to find out how it was done. And I couldn't find any. The, be- the best thing I could think of, like we said, is probably they're zooming while adjusting depth of field. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But basically what the shot looks like is he's sitting there. And then as soon as he sees the, the child actually getting eaten, basically like the background zooms in really, really hard. And it zooms in his face like a little bit. But yeah. not as much as the background. Yeah. And it doesn't make 
I don't know it's how like they the, made the yeah, shot. Yeah, it's like but... the background in the center focus zoom at different levels yeah. is what it looks like. But it gives you a very eerie feeling when it happens. Yeah, because <laughs> it looks like, because we know it had to have been done practically mm-hmm. in a camera in some way because they couldn't have done that like digitally because right. that didn't exist then. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I don't know. I Yeah, we probably should have looked more into that. But I, I, mean, I tried to find it and I couldn't it does, find it. Yeah, but it, it does it's, sound more like, like what you were saying. They were adjusting the depth of field while they were zooming. Just because, obviously, that would give focus to certain areas a bit more. Yeah, and they also probably, maybe what they could have been doing was doing a dolly shot at the same time. Is, is they were zooming physically instead of with the camera and yeah. then adjusting depth of field at the same time. Um, which would make sense. Mm. So they call it a dolly zoom, apparently. I'm looking it up right now. It's called a zo- dolly zoom. And the effect is achieved by zooming a zoom lens to achieve the angle of view, or the field of view, while the camera, the dolly moves toward or away from the subject in such a way as to keep the subject in the same size in the frame throughout. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's confusing. Yeah. I don't know camera work as well. (laughs) I don't Uh, think any of us really know know camera work that well. It gives a little (laughs) real cool diagram. It looks cool. I I don't know how, like video camera work works yeah i know i mean yeah you, you two know photography yeah i know but it's, it's, still it's, photography. Di- it's different yeah. when you're talking about taking videos sure. yeah because that's it's an active field mm. you know what i mean but anyway it's called a dolly zoom so that's what it's called if you want to look more into it i would recommend you do if you i want mean to know but yeah but that's my how, favorite shot yeah that shot's awesome it's so good um and the other horror aspects i think really work for this the, the big thing that i wanted to talk about is that it takes a fear that people already had kind of in the background as you said and mm. makes it larger oh yeah what, what i call enlarging reality mm-hmm. which is like you make you make because sharks first of all sharks are not that big <laughs> the i mean average great whites even even large female great whites like the largest ones are like 21 feet long but the 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 shark in jaws is like 26 25 26 27 feet long there are snakes what? bigger than that. Yeah, there are snakes bigger than that. I've seen sharks bigger than that. I've seen sharks that are 72 feet long, Zach, okay? There are big sharks out there, and they're terrifying, and they'll eat your babies. So, yes, it's a real fear. God. You, you sound a little too serious, but I know, <laughs> I know you're joking. But I just hope the audience that... knows you're joking at the same time. My one issue with, with the enlarging reality aspect of it is that people now genuinely think that anytime they see a shark it's going to attack them like constantly is like no the shark will probably leave you alone unless you're true uh, I, I i sort of agree with you i don't think now that's as much of an issue i think a few years after it came out that yeah. was an issue i i think that shark week did dispel like a lot of like the myths about sharks and like put them more in a real state of being than Jaws did. I feel like people have a better understanding of sharks now than they did when Jaws came out. But unfortunately, um, some people still don't. Because Well, yeah, but I think yeah. people are always going to have that anyway. I think people had that before Jaws even came out. Oh, yes, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think a large part of it is people now understand, and if you didn't know this, this is a little fun fact, sharks only kill about two to three people a year, yeah. which is still less than hippos, elephants, deer, moose, a whole bunch of other yeah. animals that live on land mm. generally um sharks generally don't kill people yeah they're not rude. unless you're talking about the sinking of the uss and indianapolis oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> um all i know is that i feel like 
if you live near the ocean, you always have that weird primal fear of the of the predator that can get you when you're most vulnerable. Yes. Just like I mean, if you're on land and you live in the woods, you're scared of bears. You know what I mean? I mean, like you're always scared of bears. You're scared of wolves. You're scared of uh, if you live. Uh, if you live in Florida or, or down south in Texas, you're scared of crocodiles, or not crocodiles, alligators. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're scared of the the weird apex predators that you can't stop. I mean, right. you can stop a lot of apex predators if you as have a, a gun. As a sea town <laughs> dweller, I kind of disagree with you. The, really? The, the, the bigger thing to fear in, especially like the ocean, is the ocean itself. You know, True. the currents and stuff like that. Most of the animals... Unless you got like jellyfish, but they don't really think, so they'll just come. But you have wimpy British you sharks. If you if you touch them, <laughs> but no, so we so we have sharks like off the coast of my place, and it's yeah, like, but they they, but they, they drink they, they shut, up. <laughs> shut up, Isaac. So they they don't do much. Well, the shark like there are sharks off the coast of Hastings, and they're like, oh, they're there. It's like they don't attack swimmers in the summer. They, they don't do anything. It's more the thing that kills people with the ocean is people misunderestimating the ocean. Yeah, yeah and I think and, that's that's it too. Yeah, and, and that's one of the other mm-hmm. things I wanted to talk about why this is such a great horror film is just the ocean being a factor in the fear as well. Mm-hmm. Not just the shark, but just how wide open everything is. Because And that's the whole thing that Spielberg made it work was he didn't want any land to be at in any shot when they were out in that boat. Like the last third of the movie, you don't see any land at all the ocean is uh, a fickle mistress and um unless it is a really good day i refuse to underestimate her even if i'm <laughs> even if i because i mean i'm a pretty strong swimmer but holy fuck i will not go out if i like have any bad feeling about how it looks that day what are the current stuff like there well i'm by the english channel so they are very unpredictable really and they can be very strong because the English yeah, Channel is very constantly rough. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Because it's I like putting seen... it's like putting your thumb on a hose mm-hmm. because it's so narrow in mm-hmm. that area that it's it, the currents get squeezed through. Mm-hmm. Like because they're coming from open ocean to coming right. through a, a section that's not very wide. So I'm, I'm used to Gulf of Mexico currents, which are dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, the Gulf so, of Mexico yeah, I mean, is the we're, worst. Yeah, we're pretty far from, like, how bad it is, like, where, where I am. But even then, like, some days, no one will be in the sea because even though it looks calm and looks looks nice, you go in that water and you can tell that there's some pretty strong currents in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the time it's like undercurrents, yeah. and that's what always gets people is like riptide and like like the undercurrents mm-hmm. that like pull people under because it's you can't see it on the surface, but once you get out there, it's right underneath. Yeah, it's they tell why you... um the the most people who die at least in the UK of drowning are people who aren't from the coast. It's yeah, inlanders like Londoners. Yeah. Yeah. That no, makes totally people makes from people <laughs> yeah. from like the Midlands who are all like landlocked. They come to the sea for a holiday, misunderestimate and just fucking die. Yeah. No, our yeah, the our my coastline growing up was not like that. It was dirty and nasty. Doesn't have very bad currents. And oh, it's gross. Why do you want to go nasty, out? But people still go in it. <laughs> <Ours> <laughs> is dirty and nasty. Yeah, shit. They, 
The English Channel must be ridiculously polluted, just like the Houston Ship Channel. <laughs> but it also, I said, it also doesn't help. I mean, we're not. It's not that we're too far, but you can constantly see ships on their way to and from France, from where I am, mm-hmm. and we're quite far from like any port. I yeah. think like, but you can still see ships constantly. So there's also the, just like the ship mo- movement of water. Hmm. The wake. The yeah. wake. The Alan wake. wake. <laughs> John Wick. Um, John Wake. Yeah, John Wick. No, I, <laughs> I absolutely fear and love the sea. Like I can't bear to move away from it. But I'm like, damn, fuck, fuck the sea. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's probably the best relationship to have with it. Respectful. I pee in it. You pee in the ocean? I mean, if I'm there, and I have to go. No, you pee in the ocean. Like, you drive to pee in the ocean. Like, every time you have to pee, you drive all the (laughs) way to the ocean to pee. Well, now I'm going to start doing it because you're saying it so judgmentally. uh, How long of a, like, what's the closest? I mean, you could just pee in Lake Louisville. Yeah, First of all, that's the closest body of water. I feel like everyone does that. Oh, I guarantee everybody (laughs) pees in Lake Louisville. It's a literal shithole. Man-made lake. Man-made lake. Yeah. Anyway. Wait, is Lake Louisville a man-made lake? I feel like pretty much every lake in Texas except, like, a couple are man-made lakes. No, I don't think they're man-made lakes. I'll look it up later, but I know I, I know remember. the only man-made lake that I know of that's like nearby is in Capel. But like I said, I've, I I heard somewhere I think uh, someone told me a long time ago that most of the lakes in Texas are man-made. Who knows? Uh, like I said, I'll look it I up later. The thing is, we have so much like oil stuff here that would just kind of like just because of the the geology of it that would make lakes, but. I'll look it up while you go into the next thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, the next thing that I'm talking about is really serious, by the way. But th- this is... So, now we're going to come to the real reason that we chose to do Jaws right now instead of any other time. Uh, Jaws has always been allegorical in nature. The shark could be interpreted as representing the threat of communism, as most co- contemporary critics saw it, or perhaps simply representing a physical manifestation of evil that gets spectacularly defeated at the end. Uh, we've seen a lot of talk online in the last two months that have jokingly compared Mayor Vaughn to the governors of states that want to lift the quarantine before it seems safe to. And as we record this, this exact thing is happening. We aren't going to sit here and try to predict the future or say that the quarantine will be prolonged by those who want to leave early, because we simply can't know that. The nature of a virus that, when it comes to large groups, is inherently hard to predict. What we can say is that, in any case, it would be dangerous to ignore those that have concerns about reopening. Just as it was ultimately fatal for Mayor Vaughn to ignore the protestations of Brody and Hooper. Ignoring those who are in the correct field to know the most about a subject should be heard. And at the very least, listened to. And... The, uh, the the thing about doing this episode now is that there's so much more like you you the more you watch this movie the more you see correlations between mm. that movie and what's happening now and understanding why you need to listen to people in your community you need to listen to the people that know this stuff you need to listen to the people that this is their job to know this and i understand there's a lot of misinformation going on right now. And it's really hard sometimes for you to trust anything that any sort of authority figure says, especially in a time right now where it's really difficult to even know if the government is saying 
honest things about what's happening and and are we getting the right numbers are we getting the right statistics about this sort of thing but you have to understand that sometimes things like this are really complicated and it's really difficult to have a containment when there's people that are insisting on going out and not following procedures and not following protocols and that sort of thing and of course things are going to change if people just go out without protection they go up prematurely there's a reason why they say flattening the curve is what we need to do before we we go out and i mean what what did you think isaac you seem like you want to say something so i feel this way about it so we are not disease experts we're also not economic experts so we don't necessarily know what the best thing to do is um and as of recording this i mean this kind of dates the episode too a little bit but whatever it's fine because it as of matter. recording this cuz i mean <laughs> the, the point is that yeah. if we're dating it yeah <laughs> as of recording this uh texas and a lot of other states just opened up uh, a lot of things for business with restrictions they are still uh imposing heavy restrictions i don't know how how in britain have they even talked about reopening or anything nope we are refusing to reopen anything because I, I hate to say it. Y- y- y'all are fucking dumb. Specifically <laughs> Don't hate not to you. Say it. <laughs> specifically not you. Like uh, no, it I just know. I feel bad saying y'all are dumb, but Jesus fucking Christ. No, I know. And, y'all and are that's dumb. So what yeah. we don't know is, so it'll be a good litmus test in seeing how it happens over there versus how it happens over here. You know what I mean? We in the next couple weeks. We haven't even thought of reopening. I mean, right. we're having protests now like you guys were having a couple of weeks ago about reopening and Boy, howdy, those people are stupid. <laughs> but but it's a lot of people here are getting it. I mean, we had over the weekend, we, I mean, I wish we had a giant fucking shark in Hastings that would eat up the people because we had <laughs> tourists come from out of town, wander around Hastings going, oh, look, Hastings is so lovely. We should come more often. Stay the fuck home. <sighs> Don't come to Hastings till it's fucking fine or i will be the massive shark and i will eat you stupid tourists here let me try and put this in perspective a little bit now i i don't want to say like i said we're not virologists Mm. we're not pathologists we we don't know any we don't know enough about the economics to say what is the smart choice here but let's put this in perspective for just a second okay the worst day of corona deaths coronavirus deaths recently was the day that we reopened, which was at this point two days ago. Mm. That was one of the worst days for coronavirus-related deaths that we know of. Right now, in this country, in the U.S., we're sitting at 69,000 deaths from COVID-19. Um, now, that's that's as far as we can tell. Now, unfortunately, I have heard various sources say that maybe the numbers are being inflated maybe the numbers are being related to uh complications instead of actually directly from the virus but that counts as being from the virus by the way if if you are not counting that um my issue was always not that because we always knew that COVID-19 has a relatively low fatality rate in compared to other deadly viruses my issue was always that you overwhelm 
our already shitty healthcare system that we have in this country, and the people who have pre-existing conditions and have issues already can't get into hospitals because COVID-19 is the primary thing that they want to take care of. Mm -hmm. So these people that have pre-existing conditions that are at death's door already before this thing even starts, before they've even gotten the virus, they die because they can't get in. And if you uh, think that you're above any sort of scrutiny and you want to go out unprotected and you get the virus and even if you don't have symptoms, you spread it on the people that that, you know, didn't have it before, then you're creating an issue there. You know, whether whether it's directing you directly or not, you know, uh, whether whether it's. Whether you're getting sick or whether people around you are getting sick or not, you're affecting the system whether you believe it or not. That's the problem. And then my final take, which some people might think is a shitty take, um, but it just is kind of tied to... It kind of ties back to what I was talking about earlier with, with morality and stuff. My take on the whole thing, which really ties back into Jaws, is I hate... How much people are like, well, the economy, we got to get the economy back moving, blah, blah, blah. And that's their focus as opposed to saving the lives of people. Correct. That's what makes me the absolute maddest. And I'm not trying to undercut or malign or talk away the fact that shit tons of people have lost their jobs, shit tons of people are probably going to lose businesses, livelihoods, shit pensions. ton of people have already exactly. lost businesses. Yeah. Like, I'm not trying to say that that's okay and that it should have happened or anything. I'm just trying to say that saving people's lives seems like it's more important than They're, money. I agree, and, especially your <laughs> end. People are putting profit over people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's as simple as that, really. It makes me so mad because we've already shown we can just print more money. They're doing it every day. They're printing more money. More... They're giving it to giant corporations that then have to give it back because, oops, haha, we thought you wouldn't find out. Yeah. Like, they're just mm. making more money. So it's just showing the whole thing is just irrelevant. You can make the same amount of money and just keep people out of work for a while to keep them safe. Yeah. You could do that, and it, you're not. Yeah, the fundamental issue here is that this whole thing is exposing flaws that were already there. Yeah. yeah. That we, we never have addressed until now, and that we're refusing to address still even now. That there's, obviously, for us, specifically in America, obviously we have a shitty healthcare system. Mm. And it is not even that not enough people have health care. It's more that even if they had health care, the system that we have in place is so bad that it wouldn't matter if they had health care or not because they would still be fucked. That's the problem. And, and that's just one of the many problems. The other problems being such as the there's no safety nets for people who are out of work or businesses that go under or any of that sort of thing. And I mean, specifically small businesses. I don't mean these corporations or franchises that obviously are getting all of these fucking small business loans instead of the businesses yep. that should be getting mm. them. Um, but it's just highlighting all these flaws and, and we're not taking it in. Right, because it's being spun to us as uh, 
they're they're trying to misdirect in the sense that oh the virus is a hoax it's not as deadly yeah. as it, 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 it doesn't make any it, sense it, yeah that's not the that shouldn't be your focus and it doesn't matter if the 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 virus isn't as deadly as everybody thought it was because that's not the problem yep. the problem was never that the virus is deadly it's the strain that it puts on the system mm-hmm. that's the problem the, and the issue I'm finding here especially is again the same sort of people oh you know. Richard Branson, the man who once sued the NHS and won because they Richard refused Branson, to give him something. Richard uh, Branson, Virgin. Yeah, Richard Virgin. Branson. Okay, yeah, yeah. He's got a government bailout for his for his airline that he could have paid out of pocket, and he fight. He's furloughed. Not even furloughed. He's made his everyone who works for Virgin Airlines take eight weeks off without pay. He could have paid every single one of his workers and had money to spare. I mean, he's got he, a government grant so that his airline doesn't go under, which he could have saved with his own money. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with fucking Jeff Bezos. Mm. It's the same thing with Jeff Bezos. Mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos, like, literally, he could give $50 million, like, because that was a big thing about Amazon for a long time, and I still think they don't have the quiet, the, the, the right PPE for what they're they doing. They don't. Um, and come out all he would have to do is deposit like 50 million into just getting PPE for all of his employees. And that would be a drop in the fucking bucket for him. Yeah. This guy is so incredibly rich that he wouldn't even notice 50 million gone. And that's that's another issue that we've kind of highlighted here. But I think my biggest my biggest takeaway is that. And again, it, it all does come back to the disregard for the loss of human life to me, and yeah, uh, mm. and the fact that money is more important to all these people. And what's really frustrating, and it seems like they're taking it a little more bit more seriously over there in some cases, but they didn't for a while. But over here, no, we we, I mean, it's still not being taken as seriously as it should be. Yeah. People are fucking yeah. clowns. And yeah. what I don't understand is both of our respective nations were founded as Christian nations of some kind. And say what you want about organized religion, I have my own feelings about it. But overall, I think religion can be a good force in the world. But for... In the two, sense of, like, community and organization, yes. and, and, yeah. and shared moralities is, is where I'm really yeah. getting at. Yeah. Because for two nations that believe themselves to be Christian nations, to then be like... Well, people are going to die, but let's get this fucking shit moving again. We're, oh, everything's worse. And, like, for Dan Patrick specifically, the lieutenant governor of Texas, to be like, oh, I'm sure that members of my generation are going to be willing to sacrifice themselves in order to get America working again. It's like, no, fuck yourself, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And that makes me so mad, and it's so (laughs) directly opposing to any kind of Christian principle that has ever existed, period. I mean, oh, God. The UK is treating it like it's World War Two, And especially a lot of the old generation, oh, it wasn't this bad during the war, we still went out during the war. Yeah, thing is though, y'all could hear the bombs coming, y'all could, you know, y'all had air raid sirens, yeah. you know, you saw things coming. This, you don't know if you've got it, you know, you step out the house and you don't know if you've got it. Yeah. Like, I this don't under- isn't a war... <laughs> There have been some instances of people... I have heard on NPR talking to people that lived through the pandemic in 1918. Mm. But I don't really know 
how they dealt with it. You know what I mean? I know elections still happen. I know life went on. But I can't remember ever hearing anything from history saying, like, eh, people had to get back to work, so we just kind of let all those bitches die from the flu. You know what I mean? I don't remember that ever being a part of the of the story of the Spanish flu. You know what I mean? Denver. I also... That happened in Denver. Did it really? Oh, my God. It, it's, it yeah. definitely happened. That's the problem, is that people forgot about the Spanish flu epidemic, mm. and then they repeated it. As, as, as cliche as that fucking saying is, if you forget history, you're doomed to repeat it. And that's what really annoys me as somebody who's a really big fan of history is how, how much stuff is repeating and how oh, much yeah. stuff is just so much like that Spanish flu epidemic. Hopefully it's not going to be the same numbers because yeah. that was 50 to 100 million people dead. It's like the and, second worst plague after the Black Plague, right? Yeah. 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 And that had awful. three waves. Yep. Yeah. And so we've just now finished one. Yeah. Yeah. And we you, <sighs> we are both our countries are definitely going to get a second wave. Most definitely. Yep. Yeah. And so the, the the strain on the NHS as well is just absolutely mental. Especially as current government who have been in power for over 10 years at this point keep keep cutting it and have been cutting it while this epidemic has been going on. We love that. Hmm. <sighs> <sighs> Can't yeah, get tests for NHS how... <laughs> workers, but Boris Johnson can get a test immediately as soon as he gets a sniffle. Oh, yeah, no, um, Trump and Pence get tested regularly, yeah. but they just came out and said that uh, they don't have enough testing capacity to test all mem- members of Congress. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure that I'm sure the ones that are really pushing to keep things keep things open are really happy that they aren't even going to be able to be tested. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they only just now somehow got testing kits for NHS workers because uh, a friend of mine had to be tested because he, he went down with flu-like symptoms. He's fine. He just literally had a cough and yeah. it came out of nowhere. But, um, yeah, he had to be tested. Now he's off for two weeks. <laughs> and he's kind of just, like, chilling, mildly recovering from having, like, something... He was doing, like, 36-hour days. Jesus Christ. Wow. Because he's a radiologist, so... Well, he couldn't have done a 36-hour day. I mean, you know what I mean, though. I mean, he was doing yeah. like... I mean... <laughs> it's possible. No, it's, it's a, not. You, you yeah, know what is. I mean by 36-hour <laughs> days. Yeah. In terms of, yeah. In terms of yeah. shift. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's double triple shifting. Yeah. yeah, I'm just laughing at the cat meowing in the background yeah. at the very end of all this. Yeah, he's Jeez. he's you know he's got opinions. Yeah, <laughs> they're all wrong. All all of his opinions are fucking wrong. <laughs> all of Boris's opinions are that it's all five G. <laughs> now, now, I, yeah, fucking asshole. Now I, I know we kind of tangented there for a second. I, I what we're basically trying to say is that there's so much that correlates between this movie and what's happening now as far as just, like, the belief that you can beat it just by powering through. There, mm. you, you have to be more careful than that. That's the thing, is that we have to we have to be more aware of history. We have to be more aware of what's happening. We have to be more aware of the people that are experts on this thing that know what they're talking about, and that's all we're trying to say, essentially, is that don't think you're smarter than everybody else because that's how people fucking die. And money yeah. is not 
the rubric by which you should Correct. do anything. It doesn't matter if it's Fourth of July. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what fucking time of the year it is. Listen to people when they say you should be careful. You should stay inside. This is not a fucking joke. There's okay. meant to be, like, VE Day parties next week, because obviously next week is the, um, like, the anniversary of the war ending, and it's like, yeah, y'all are dumb. One, don't celebrate war, regardless if it's ending or not, that's shitty, because um, war shouldn't happen in the first place. And two, like, I mean, yeah, you can do socially distant street partying, but also that's stupid and stay indoors. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think they're celebrating war because yeah, I think they're no, celebrating no. the end of all the war happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no. Yeah, so it, the, uh, it's definitely way, more complicated than that. But The, yeah. way, that, the way that the British kind of celebrate it is, is very much like a... We we won the war single-handedly, blah, 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 when, I mean, for a lot of... Celebr- war, yeah, for celebrate quite a colonialism. Lot of war, yeah. yeah. For a lot of World War Two, we didn't give a single shit. Yeah. And that's another tangent. I'm just really... I have opinions on things. Yeah, this is, is one of those... It's a very opinionated episode, and we're sorry about that, but, I mean, yeah, you already if, know how we you feel if you our, listen to the show at all. If you hate our opinions, then, um, fuck you, I guess. <laughs> well, the, the way it boils down to is all those Jaws memes happened for a reason, and yeah. we're just trying yeah. to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, the more, like I said, the more you talk about it, the more you watch it, the more you realize how closely a lot of the things that they, uh, I guess, address in Jaws actually apply mm. to right, right the fuck now. Like it's so, it's kind of creepy how close a lot of some of the stuff is in that movie to what's happening right now, especially in America. Yeah, but. Jaws is one of those films that will be endlessly referenced and brought up throughout the years as a cautionary tale. It's interesting that some of the best qualities it is praised for happen quite by accident, uh, but in a certain way, I guess that makes it more fascinating. It's one of those rare moments in history where everything lined up in the right way to a point where that one event became a focal point for a flood of events that came afterwards. Mm. And we can see that right now as one of those focal points. There's no doubt that this period of time will be one of those uh, that we look of in terms of befores and afters. The real question is, what comes next? Why don't you come down here and chum some of this shit? We're going to need a bigger boat. I, I will make a mechanical shark that is on the same shit level as Bruce to eat any any fucking tourists that came to Hastings over the past couple of weeks. I mean, you could do that to make people stay home. It's like, yeah. oh shit, you better not go outdoors. Otherwise, that big fucking electrical shark that never works might run over you. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, 30% of the time, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. The other 70%, it's just a hunk of shit. But yeah, no, I mean, think about... I, I think I made some... I think I already made this uh, correlation on the podcast before. Like, if, if coronavirus was a, a disease that caused everyone to... It wasn't fatal, but you just had massive diarrhea in public <laughs> all the time, everyone would stay home. Yeah. Like, if that were the thing that happened instead of, oh, you might die, but it's probably going to be like the flu, then people would be like, 
Uh, I don't want to go outside. I don't have any yeah. pants for that. I don't want to be embarrassed because my pants are full of shit. Yeah. In, in this case, it's yeah. like, yeah, if this were, if the coronavirus were fucking, you might get eaten by a shark if you go outside. <laughs> yeah. People would stay the fuck home. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, shark. I don't want to know. Yeah, no. if like the if like the side effects of the virus were like a shark burst out of your chest and then eats <laughs> the rest of your body. Yeah. <laughs> or like you know, if you did have the shitting virus, the, the, the what, I, what I am now calling Dookie Diapers Fifteen. <laughs> the name of the virus uh yeah that would be awful and i think yeah it is what we need is is just um like every animal that people are scared of to like just appear whenever you go outside (laughs) yeah yeah i do think that you do have something in in the like the mildness of the symptoms like compared to like what it could be i guess is what yeah. doesn't deter people yeah. yeah and that's really frustrating and, and that's P- what, people what, are just like oh, oh oh it's mild it's fine like no yeah, that's stay what home Lynn's... for two weeks it could get worse yeah that's what lends people to say oh it's no worse than the flu it's like well maybe for you it will, it's all, yeah. it will get worse because i will break your legs you <laughs> i'm basically yeah, uh, I'm yeah <laughs> that's the problem it's not this is going to sound wrong for all the wrong reasons, but I'm using it in a very, like, journalistic way. It's not a sexy virus. No, I know what you, you know mean. You know what I mean? It's not no, no, a no, no, sexy no. virus. I, it doesn't... I don't want to fuck it. No, it, you're yeah, right. It doesn't make you bleed out your eyes. It right. doesn't make you lose it's not, a limb. It's not Ebola. It's not leprosy. Yeah. It's not right. Ebola. It's right. not the Black Plague where you have, like, crazy boils all over you. It's not one of these things that scares you into complying with the restrictions that science has given you. Right. Like mm. sharks are scary. You're right. I don't want to get bit in half. And like that's why Jaws is a pretty good horror film because you're like, oh shit, yeah, I don't want to get bit in half. And neither did most of the country when it came out. But unfortunately, just our current situation is oops, I have a fever now. Oh, oh, does baby have a fever? Oh, did someone get addicted to capitalism? Oh, did somebody get addicted to capitalism? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's all it is. And it's just people. The people in power, here's, unfortunately, the people that are are downplaying it to the detriment of the entire here, here's world. Here's the way I'll sum it up. Yeah, it's not Ebola. Yes, your organs organs won't liquefy and then pour out of every orifice of your body. But if you get coronavirus and you get the symptoms and you start, you you have to go to the ER for it. Yeah. You're gonna be suffering yeah, exactly. for like two weeks. It causes and, like really bad lung damage. People don't realize that. It causes. That. It causes bad lung damage, and it could possibly cause permanent neurological damage. Yeah. It's not... It, it, you guys... People just don't take it seriously. That's what I think like, is, is a big part of it's it. It's not visibly horrifying, yeah. is the problem. Yeah. Which I'm not saying somebody make it more visibly horrifying. <laughs> Please don't do that, Umbrella Corporation. Yeah, it's like that Pat Oswald <laughs> bit of, oh, we made cancer airborne and contagious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Please don't I will, do that, um, scientists. <laughs> I view myself at the moment as Danny, like, to bring it back to It's Always Sunny, I view myself as Danny DeVito when the McPoyle brothers are hanging off, one of them's hanging off the roof, and Danny DeVito's punching him with a stick going, no you don't. That's, that's me. <laughs> that's you with people who want to try and open early? Is that? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I don't know who, who is the McPoyle in yeah. this scenario. We're, we're all the McPoyle. That's the problem. <laughs> well, I can totally see Chrissy as dead, you know, poking someone with a stick. I just don't know what the context is. I'm sure Chrissy is. has done that. <laughs> 
I can no. I can probably like seventy five percent say with certainty that Chrissy's done that to somebody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, that's Jaws, y'all. That's um, it's still more relevant than we even give it credit for. I think. What's some favorite moments? I know it, no one cares because it's such a widespread movie that everyone's seen it. But what's some favorite moments? Where the shark comes out and like <laughs> flops onto the fucking boat. That's the best part. Yeah, that is that is the best part. Okay, so I have like I said earlier, my favorite is when you hear like the little score part of like in the background, like it's some fucking like yeah Lawrence of Arabia epic score in the back for yeah. no fucking reason. But I also uh, we didn't mention it earlier. I did want to really quickly mention uh, that moment where he does say, you know, we're gonna need a bigger boat. Both a classic scene and also apparently improvised by Roy Scheider. That was just one yep. little tidbit that we missed earlier True. that I thought was <laughs> hilarious that I didn't know. Yeah, and they actually, so the original test screening they did of the movie, that line was quieter, but when they did the test screening, because the scare comes right uh, before that, mm. audience members were still screaming from that. Yeah. So they had to turn the line up. Because it was too quiet. Because there were people still screaming. And then yeah. other thing that we, other thing we forgot the the crazy head scene where he goes down and oh, yeah. uh, they pokes out his head out of the boat and says, "Hey, uh, that was <laughs> that was a reshoot. That wasn't even included yes. in the original film. That was done in a swimming pool. Mm. Yeah, that scene. They just wanted one more scare because Spielberg thought it wasn't spooky yes. enough, and, and he was and, just like, and, I need one more. Well, big and one. Universal didn't even fund it. Spielberg pay, paid three thousand dollars of his own money to do that reshoot yeah. with the head. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, got a fake head made and, and did it in a, a swimming pool. He paid $3,000 of his own money and for, to make that happen. And for talking about a horror podcast, we, we, we glossed over the fact that apparently that uh, audiences at the time thought was like the scariest scene. The one they did in a fucking swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's still one of the scariest scenes. My favorite, my, like, I would say the scariest scene to me is where Quint gets eaten. Oh, yeah. That's definitely. the scariest scene. Because it's visceral. Oh, yeah. That's... Yeah. Because he's just... Believably screaming, and then he grabs a machete and stabs the shark in the in the nose. <laughs> Which I had never noticed before. I never was watching what yeah, his other hand was it's doing because like I'm too focused cut. on everything else. It's <laughs> real. Yeah, it's a real quick. Cut. Yeah, it's funny because that's I I focus on everything else that you never really yeah. I guess paid attention to. Because I know yeah. I'm, I'm focusing on him like being whipped around. I'm not really focusing on what he's doing. I'm focusing on the shark fucking and, and destroying him. And in my head, I'm him. thinking, yeah, that's bound to happen. He's gonna he's gonna whip around, but that machete. <laughs> <laughs> That machete, yeah. though. That machete, though. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's a classic. It's still relevant. It's game-changing, really, mm-hmm. of a movie. Yeah. And we're glad we talked about it. And now we'll never talk about it ever again. Pretty much. <laughs> until, we, until we do, like, one of the sequels as a joke. Oh, yeah. 3D? Come well, on, we Jaws might, 3D. We might do the sequels as, like, a they're bad. Uh, yeah. They oh, do oh they're they all are bad. bad. Yeah, oh, well, they're Jaws, all bad. Jaws 4 is the one where it growls like Godzilla, so, I mean, that's the only one we really <laughs> want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. He makes the screonk? Yeah, he does. Screonk. Even though sharks don't have lungs. <laughs> yeah. He screonks. Oh, my God. Even though, but they also he also does the dual roar, apparently, at the end that I yeah. had never really noticed. Yeah, from, from Spielberg's film. Duel. Duel. Which he thought yeah. Jaws was a sequel to in a weird way. Yeah. Which I don't know. Like, we didn't talk about that either, but I really don't care. Cause I'm Which just is like, funny Steven because Spielberg, shut up. <laughs> he initially didn't want to do Jaws because he didn't want to be typecast as the quote-unquote truck and shark guy. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to be the truck and shark guy. Are you kidding? You are a truck and shark guy. I feel, yeah, I mean, I feel, that that's, sounds like business. That's <laughs> your aesthetic. 
Yeah. That's, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's what we're going to close on. Uh, Isaac is opening a new truck and shark business where Hell he yeah. sells truck sharks or shark trucks I, or trucks like with sharks or sharks, sharks, sharks in trucks. trucks. I feel like it's more, especially in what we people need right now, is uh, shark delivery, where I, I bring a shark to your door if you need it. I'm not saying what the shark does when it gets there. That's kind of up to you if you want to get eaten or not, but I'm I'm more than happy to supply sharks in this trying time. We're, we're, we're happy for your service, and we're proud of you. You live your dream. Uh, street, street sharks come into a street near you. <laughs> street shark, that's the name of the business. It's called Isaac Street Sharks. Street shark Isaac Wright Street Sharks. I feel like I'm getting copyright strikes right, so fast. Right, street, street Sharks. Okay. We're thank, done. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Bye, guys. We, we love, love you. you so much. Have Bye. Fun. <laughs> you heard it here first. Have fun. <laughs>